Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today we've got some great stories of nuclear revenge, and we're starting with a story from Never Gonna Give You Up, Karen Gets Burned. Some years ago, I started working for a heavy industrial manufacturing company. I lucked out and got a great supervisor for a boss, Joe. The work was hard, working 12-hour days for 13 days in a row, and then a Sunday off, then back for another 13 days. I was young and didn't mind, and helped my wife and I save up for a house. After about 6 months, Joe noticed I was picking up on the work pretty fast and promoted me to a group leader position. This came with a raise and increased responsibility that most other workers didn't want. Joe would put me in troubled groups in his department, and I would work on general improvements in figuring out the issues. This was a union shop, and the mentality was just to put in your hours. Don't work harder or smarter, just do your time and don't kill the job, was the unspoken motto. After a few years, Joe was promoted to a manager, and he transferred me with him to his departments. While I wasn't a supervisor yet, I was the supervisor in all but name. The supervisors loved it because they never had to leave the office, and I liked it because it was a good learning experience. I made a good reputation and got a lot of respect from workers and from management. Eventually Joe's areas were doing so well, he was promoted to plant manager. As before, he wanted to promote me with him, this time to a supervisor spot. We talked in length because the only supervisor spot open was working for Karen. Karen was female, a minority, and a member of the LGBTQ community. She was the poster child on the company website of the inclusiveness in the workplace. Literally, her face was the one they used. She was also a freshly minted manager, and Joe was not confident in her abilities. But me being the plucky go-getter with a can-do attitude, decided to take the position. I had an interview with Karen and got to meet some of her supervisors. They were very quiet and reserved. Once I was promoted, I worked in tandem with another supervisor, Chris. Chris was young, had one small child, and his wife was pregnant and a stay-at-home mom. During the first week, everything was going well. I was learning all the employees, getting to know the process, and getting my feeling for the area. During the second week, Chris's wife went into labor and she had a hard time. Chris went on paternity leave for six weeks, and I was tossed into the deep end in charge of the whole area solo with 60 employees. I was barely treading water, but I was doing my best. When I would ask Karen for guidance or assistance, she would scoff like it was beneath her and tell me, if I have to do your job, then I don't need you. So I gritted my teeth and worked my tail off. My wife got me a smartwatch and I was averaging 25,000 steps a day trying to keep everything running. We were holding our own and employees all did what they could to help as the satiation was not ideal for everyone. A few weeks in, I was reviewing some quality documents and I noticed that one of the quality gates was not being followed. I emailed the info to the quality engineers and they lost their minds. This was a 4 hour operation on a 20 hour part that we were skipping entirely. Turns out one of the reasons Karen got promoted was because she was running her department so efficiently. 
Then it came to light that she made the decision to skip this quality process, saving that 20% of time. Except the engineers never signed off on this and it caused massive damage control. The process had to be reinstated and the parts that were never checked had to have warranty extensions. This caused the company to have egg on their face and Karen to look bad. During this time, Karen also became more vindictive. She would openly tell people she would never be fired and could do what she wanted. She would walk the departments and if she didn't like someone, she would make the supervisors write them up by the end of the day. She wanted us to find a reason and if we didn't, she would take it out on the supervisors. For example, forcing the supervisors to stay late to do inventory or something else menial just because she could. She wouldn't let the supervisors make any decisions until she approved. So something like overtime had to wait for her approval and she wouldn't respond until the end of the day, causing the departments to scramble. Then if there weren't enough overtime employees to do the work, she would blame it on the supervisors. While the supervisors knew this wasn't right, We all needed our job and tried to do the best we could for Karen and the employees. We were mainly rodeo clowns to Karen being the bull. The first day Chris was back, him and I were both pulled into Karen's office. She started berating me on how poor of a job I was doing, making her look bad and how I never came to her for help. This made me speechless because of the previous comments she made and the fact that supervisor work was beneath her. After the meeting, I was still a bit stunned, but I put it together that she was about to railroad me out of the company and this was the first step. I called Joe and asked for a meeting that same day. When I got together with Joe, I started telling him about the things that were going on that he had no idea. The harassment, the abuse, the vindictive nature. Ironically, while I was speaking with him, another supervisor called him to complain about Karen as well with the same grievances. Joe was stunned and said he would speak with Karen, but he gave me carte blanche on any open spot in the company starting next day. He really didn't want to lose me. I did a lateral transfer to a different department doing engineering and IT work, and I thought that was the end of it. A few weeks later, I was leaving work, and Karen mentioned that I never turned in my laptop and phone to her. I told her I didn't know I had to, but I could give it to her tomorrow. She smirked and said that she would get it back soon enough. I didn't think too much of it at the time. After about six months, I had my review with my new boss, Jake. The review went great and he was very happy with my work and was a bit surprised at how fast I picked up things. At the end of the meeting, Jake mentioned offhand how Karen tried to intervene in the review and get me fired, but Joe stepped in and squashed it. Okay, Karen, now you pissed me off. After I left Karen's department, the turnover rate went through the roof. The supervisors were quitting at a rate of one every three months. Keep in mind that this is a legacy company that had multi-generations working. Fathers, mothers, sons, entire families. Some areas had three generations working side by side, and yet Karen was rolling over employees and supervisors like a steamroller. Working for her became the kiss of death. I casually mentioned to Joe about the turnover, and he told me he couldn't figure out what was going on. People were quitting without notice, and no one was doing exit interviews. I told Joe that Karen was riding people up to force them out. When they would hand her their resignation letter or two weeks notice, she would tell them to leave immediately and throw away the letter. Then she would tell the HR person that the person quit on the spot and that was the end of it. 
Joe told me that because of who she was and how high she was, the company wouldn't do anything to her until they had an airtight case. So I went to work. I took the supervisors working for Karen out drinking after work a few times a week and made sure I had my hand on the pulse. If someone was quitting, I made sure they emailed their letter of resignation to Karen and CC'd Joe and HR, stayed for their exit interview, and that they called the company Integrity Hotline for good measure. Things were progressing well, and I had all the supervisors on board except Chris. Chris really needed the job, and Karen was not writing him up. Through a stroke of luck, I found out Karen was lowballing his raisings as a cost-saving measure. That's why she wasn't harassing him. When I told Chris, he was furious and he wanted to quit on the spot. I encouraged him to speak with Joe before he leaves. Joe and Chris had a very productive meeting, and Chris decided to stay. Now, all the supervisors were on board. Joe brought in an HR bigwig from the headquarters in Kansas, and over the course of a week, each supervisor was sent in for an interview discreetly without Karen knowing. By the time the interviews were over, they had emails, texts, eyewitnesses, and a mountain of evidence. This next part I heard from other people, HR, Joe, etc. Despite everything, the company wanted to keep this quiet. So they brought in Karen and said they no longer needed her and offered a very generous severance package. Karen being Karen lost it on the HR people. She threatened to sue for discrimination and even called a lawyer. That's when the company pulled out the stack of evidence and rescinded the severance offer. After a few months, Karen found a new job as a plant manager in a different factory, and I found out where. I casually mentioned to the union reps at my factory where Karen was working and suggested that maybe they should give the union at the other factory a call. She was fired within three months for employee harassment. Last I heard, she had to sell her house and move out of the state to find a job. This is just really disappointing to see from somebody that gets in that level of position. But honestly, it's not too surprising. Would you guys agree that a lot of times people who move into these managerial or supervisor positions, they often seek these roles out not to help the company or to move up in their career, but to do so because they enjoy the power they have over people? Let me know if you agree with me in the comments down below. And while you're at it, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every single video has great stories, like our next one by Petr Lebanov, when you have very loyal samurai. In 1701, Asano Naginori and another lord were ordered to arrange a reception for the emperor's envoys. They went to Kira Yoshinaka, a court official, to learn the court etiquette. However, Kira was an arrogant piece of poop and pushed around Asano due to not getting bribed. Asano then lost his temper and wounded Kira with a dagger. Asano has just committed a crime. Violence in the Edo castle was forbidden, and as punishment, Asano committed seppuku slash harakiri. His property was seized, leaving his men with no leader and his family with nothing. 47 ronin out of the 300 of Asano's men vowed to take revenge. Kira knew he would be attacked, so he made sure he was protected. The 47-liter Oishi spent his time drinking, sleeping at brothels, participating in obscene acts, all to lower Kira's guard. And lowering his guard was the worst mistake he had made. Oishi's acts continued for two years, and on January 30th, 1703, the 47 Ronin attacked Kira's house and fought all the men. 
Oishi gave Kira the choice to commit seppuku, but Kira only crouched, trembling. Oishi then killed Kira with the same dagger his master used. One of the ronin, Terasaka, reported what they had done and placed the head on Asano's grave. 46 of the ronin surrendered and committed seppuku while Terasaka was pardoned by the shogun. Imagine being so dedicated to proving that you're not a threat that you spend two years just drinking, sleeping around, doing obscene acts and making a fool of yourself just so that two years later you can finally pull off a surprise attack. What a crazy historical story. And our final story of the day is by Tardinator 2 repeatedly break into a cabin? Watch your head. Firstly, this isn't mine, it's from a book, yes I like reading, called Cool at Vine Cadesti, You Only Die Twice, where the writer from what I understood is a morgue worker, where dead people's bodies go, who's been working for a long time. Also, he's been hearing some stories. Secondly, it might be a little exaggerated. It also happened in Finland, so the laws are different. Lastly, we Finns usually go to our cabins only a few times a year, in the summer and in the winter. Now onto the story, shall we? Apparently, there was a thief slash robber who repeatedly broke into a Finnish man's cabin. The owner got pissed, so he bought some bear traps and put them across the inside of his cabin and left. He thought that the thief would be able to open the claws if he had stepped on it. Well, the thief didn't get a chance. When the owner came back the next winter, he saw the thief dead on the floor with the claws around his crushed head. Apparently, when he broke through the window, he didn't go feet first like a normal person, but he dove in head first. I guess he didn't get the chance to say, you should have gone for the head. I'm not sorry. The owner called the cops and they checked the crime scene out and because the bear traps were inside his cabin, he didn't even get a warning. If they would have been on the yard, it would have been a different story. So, I mean, first of all, this form of revenge was already nuclear. Deciding and settling on a bear trap to be the ultimate solution to stopping somebody from ever returning after they break in and assumedly step into this, maybe just about lose an ankle. But honestly, I can't imagine the horrendous feeling of getting back to your cabin, noticing the window is broken, opening that door, and seeing what that guy saw there. There's definitely some things you wouldn't be able to unsee in life, and frankly, stumbling across that, opening your door to that scene, probably to be honest, that smell too, would be a pretty unforgettable thing, I would imagine. Do you guys think that considering OP intentionally put this bear trap in their house, that they should be liable for some kind of crime? Or do you think considering it was in their cabin and the guy just dove in head first and tragically landed directly upon it, that OP should be pretty much scot-free and have no crime against them at all? I'd like to know your guys' thoughts on this in the comments down below. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So if you enjoyed this video and you want to see another revenge story that was even more insane than these ones, click on the left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. With that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 